The History Man with Terry Kringle. Hello. The spectacle of manned flight was first seen in the Isle of Man on Monday, November the 10th, 1902. It was the day the balloon went up, and it was a miracle that half of Douglas didn't go up with it. If the miracle of health and safety inspectors had also arrived in the island at the same time, they would have had a good deal to say about it all. Otherwise, it was an historic moment in the history of the island, and it happened when two balloonists of renown, as the Isle of Man Times called them, arrived in Douglas with a balloon and said they were going to fly it to somewhere they didn't exactly know where in Scotland. They were a clergyman, a sky pilot, I suppose, called the Reverend J. M. Bacon, and a Mr. Percival Spencer, and they and their balloon arrived in Douglas on board a Royal Navy ship, HMS Renard, which was described, as a matter of interest, as a torpedo gunboat. The idea was that balloon and ship should cooperate in carrying out a series of signalling and other exercises at sea. There was a military significance to this. During the Boer War, which had ended earlier in the year, observation balloons had proved to be highly successful in military operations. Otherwise, the plan was that Bacon and Spencer should take off from Peveril Square in Douglas. Their balloon was sixty feet high and forty-five feet across, and it was to be inflated with forty-five thousand cubic feet of coal gas to be supplied by the Douglas Gaslight Company. Coal gas could be risky stuff. It was highly inflammable, for one thing. But the gas company agreed to provide it with the enthusiastic cooperation of the manager of the time, Mr. C. H. K. A large underground gas main in Peveril Square was laid bare and had three two-inch pipes plugged into it, all of them fitted with stopcocks. They were then put on standby for balloon takeoff. This happened when weather conditions were right, and the day attracted a crowd of hundreds of people keen to watch. Nobody seemed to be worried about the risk of a huge gas explosion, but some precautions were taken. Police officers were on hand to try and make sure nobody in the crowds were smoking to windward of the balloon. In the event, the balloon was filled with gas without untoward incident, and the balloonists climbed into their wicker basket with a camera and a number of scientific instruments. When they were ready for take-off, there were twenty strong men on the ground at the end of a rope to prevent the balloon escaping too soon. Then Mr. Spencer shouted, Let go! and the balloon leapt away on a brisk southwesterly wind and headed off towards Onken and out of sight to the cheers of the crowd. It had taken only a matter of minutes for this to happen. But the miracle of man flight had been well and truly seen by the Isle of Man. The trip was a success. The balloon landed in Scotland near Dumfries, having covered seventy-seven miles in four and a half hours, which was a miracle of modern travel in 1902. Certainly the Manx newspapers were enthusiastic. They said the whole thing had been a wonderful advertisement for the Isle of Man, with the coverage it was given worldwide. Nobody was giving any kind of thought to what kind of coverage there might have been if things had gone wrong, which they might well have done. Now I come to one final and important matter. The day the balloon went up, it had 45,000 cubic feet of the Douglas Gaslight Company's finest in it, who, I would like to ask, 
paid the gas bill. I wonder if Mags Gas Limited still have an unpaid invoice in their archives.